Canada. Welcome. Look at that. There they are. There's, There's so many of us. Yes. We're sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm not sorry. <laughs> All um, right. Yeah, so welcome back to the podcast. Um, tonight's episode is Extraterrestrial. <laughs> uh, we're going to be diving into the world of the paranormal and chatting about UFOs with Canada's leading expert in the field. So, welcome, Chris Rutkowski. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. Yeah, Rutkowski. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks for coming on. Well, thanks for being. Thanks for inviting me. Um, yeah. So, are are you in Winnipeg right now? I am in Winnipeg. Yes. Okay. So, how has it been with uh, this current crazy state of the world? and over there it's crazy yeah uh <laughs> they just raised our level here um the you can't have more than 10 people or something like that and um a lot of places have mandated masks and uh i'm staying you know right here this is this i've got everything i need so i'm okay i'm okay yeah <laughs> oh you guys oh that's you know bad. same pretty much same, yeah <laughs> Yeah. We are officially in the second wave. Yeah, <laughs> officially. Yeah, just trying to trying to stay inside, go out as little as possible, kind of thing. Yeah, fortunately, my uh, um, where I work, um, they said that we can work from home for quite a while. So, taking advantage of that, so um, basically, I, I'm talking to you on my work computer. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, um, I actually I heard you about you for the first time on um nighttime podcast which oh yeah, yeah. Part. Good yeah so yeah. I, yeah i love that podcast so i'm like super excited that you're here i feel like <laughs> i even got my cat on his son's podcast that's that's how great that is <laughs> just a true canadian podcast surfer eh yeah <laughs> um all right well i guess uh we'll get into it um i guess first things first um can you maybe share a little bit of background about yourself for the listeners sure um hmm. well um i've got a couple of degrees in uh, science and education specifically astronomy and education um, I am, uh, work as a communications officer at the University of Manitoba, and I've been uh, sort of into the UFO thing for quite some time. Mm -hmm. um, and since 1989, uh, I've been coordinating something called the Canadian UFO Survey, uh, which collects all the cases that are reported officially in Canada and put it into a report and publish that uh, every year. Uh, but even before that, I've been doing writing. I have 10 books about uh, UFOs, mm -hmm. uh, some of them about uh, Canada. And uh, I also actually started out not just UFOs, but into all sorts of weird things, uh, ghosts, uh, Bigfoot, uh, uh, paranormal, <laughs> all, the good stuff. all that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, lake monsters. And uh, But it just there's just so much that I, I thought, oh, I better sort of, focus on one to do it mm -hmm. right and uh, so I focused on the UFO stuff but I keep my my hand in some of the other stuff yeah that's cool and I did I read that you donated all of your research information to the University of Manitoba is that correct yeah um, uh, sometime I guess in the middle of 2019 um, they contacted me and wanted to know I guess they because they had heard that I had a, quite a collection of stuff um, and a lot of it is historical in nature. The idea that you know, the reports that I have 
um, and the government documents and a lot of the other uh, literature is really historical. In fact, my first book was called Unnatural History because it's a different kind of history. You don't read about this sort of stuff usually uh, when you're talking about Canadian history, and yet it's a real part of us. I mean, um, you know, every place in Canada has some interesting traditions and, and uh, folklore and, and interesting sightings about weird stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, to document that uh, has taken quite some time. So they wanted to know uh, if I would be interested in donating my collection. And I thought about it for a while, and I realized, well, what am I going to be doing with this? But what you see behind me <laughs> is a small selection of my books. Uh, I have somewhere around 2,500 books on UFOs and weird stuff. And this is what hasn't gone yet. We actually have to stop donating because the the, the archives closed. Um, but uh, they, as a matter of fact, I got an email today saying it's time to start donating. I guess they're opening up again. Um, but there's this, and then there's all my files on all the UFO reports um, from people right across Canada. Uh, and mm-hmm. in particular, they were interested in the case here in Manitoba called the Falcon Lake incident. Right, yeah. Um, which is where a fellow was uh, burned by something uh, in 1967, and the uh, um, the Canadian uh, Air Force, the uh, U.S. Air Force, the RCMP, and a number of other agencies investigated, and according to them, they couldn't explain it. Um, and you know, it was uh, it was well documented. As a matter of fact, I have something of the order of three or four hundred. Uh, documents on, on this specifically, ranging from the RCMP uh, interrogation of this guy and their interviews with um, people in the area, his people who he worked with, his family, and and everything, um, and uh, all the correspondence between Ottawa and Manitoba, and between the various agencies. So it was quite a lot of stuff, and so act- that is actually already over at the uh, archives, um, mm-hmm. and we're in the process of donating the rest of my uh, collection Uh, and since 1989 we have something like 20,000 UFO reports from Canada and that's making its way to uh, uh, into the archives so there's a lot of stuff (laughs) (laughs) and just to just to backtrack a bit for the listener and give a bit of background what is a UFO technically because there's probably a lot of misconceptions about that Sure. Um, well, a UFO, unidentified flying object, is anything that somebody sees in the sky they can't identify. It doesn't necessarily mean flying saucer from Mars or, or whatever. It simply means uh, something that you see that, that doesn't seem to be a plane or a star or a satellite or whatever. And mm-hmm. um, that what happens next is that people will investigate. Uh, there's a number of groups. You've probably heard of MUFON and, and other organizations. Uh, that will investigate these types of things and talk to people and maybe go out to the site and take measurements and whatnot. Um, And after that, they may find an explanation of what that had been seen by the person. Uh, It sometimes does turn out to be stars and planets and and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, But in some cases, not. And every year uh, through the Canadian UFO survey, there's somewhere around a thousand UFO reports filed in Canada. Um, and it started out uh, much lower in, the, in the, when we started in 89, there was like 150 or so, and it's gradually crept up. In fact, the number of UFO sightings reported in Canada has been increasing fairly well up until about maybe about three or four years ago, and then took a little bit of a dip. Um, however, the good news for UFO fans is that um, COVID seemed to have bumped all the numbers up. 
Mm -hmm. uh, as a matter of fact, <laughs> since the beginning of 2020, the number of UFOs reported has definitely increased. So everyone's and, just sitting uh, at their windows, yeah, staring outside, well, right, waiting yeah, for something to know, happen. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, uh, the, the bars are closed, right? So, um, yeah, you know, you have nothing you else to do. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so there, there's all these cases. And every year there's somewhere around 3 or 4% of all UFO reports that don't seem to have an explanation as a star or planet or plane or whatever. And uh, those are the pretty interesting ones that uh, we try and keep a track of. Are you shocked by anything that you've ever found in the survey or in your work? No, <laughs> not anymore. I mean, I yeah, have I had, I, I've had people come to me um, with the classic UFO abduction story. I, I've had a, a military really? officer come into my office and say, you know, I can't tell my commanding officer this, but I think I was abducted by aliens. Well, what do you do with those cases? I mean, it's it's very mm -hmm. interesting, uh, interesting stories. You, you know, there's no reason for them to make it up. They're not going to. I'm not heading out to the, you know, on the phone of the Toronto Sun or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, but there's all these cases that come up. I had a a nurse uh, tell me a fascinating story a number of years ago. She was working um, a, uh, a, a one of the overnight shifts, and she had been doing this for many many months. And she came home at you know, two or three o'clock in the morning, uh, just to freshen up and maybe get a couple of hours sleep. And she was, um, she went into her bedroom and she heard a big bang, boom and thump out in the living room. And she thought, oh, you know, she happened to live near the university. So she thought maybe some kids, uh, students are pulling pranks or making too much noise in the hallway, went out into her living room. And there's these two little creatures with big round heads not the the you know the almond eyed ones that you see but mm -hmm. the big round heads with big round eyes staring at her in these big long white robes and she thought oh, oh it must God. be halloween or something like that that i missed or i don't know and she said <laughs> okay guys out of my living room uh, you know just get out and they <laughs> the looked at this her woman, eh? and then they, they looked at her and then they looked at each other and they looked back at her and she thought oh these aren't kids at all and, and so they some sort of telepathically they said uh would you like to come with us uh for a ride in our ship and we'll take you to see Whoa. you know well great you come for a ride right um <laughs> and so they said, sure <laughs> i guess why not and the next thing she knows she's walking through some sort of big hangar where there's all these flying saucery things and there's one of the creatures in front one of them behind her and they lead her into one of these ships down up a gangplank and down a hallway and then she's sitting at this star trekky display with a big screen and she sees the earth on the screen and she sits down uh, between them and they do something on the buttons and the earth gets smaller and the next thing she knows um she's back in her bedroom um it's four hours later the bed has not been slept in she's actually sitting on the side of the bed away from the door her clothes are still on and she has no memory of anything that's happened and she says to me you know, I didn't have an anchovy pizza before I came from work. <laughs> I don't have nightmares. I actually don't have time. She really didn't know much about Star Trek or Star Wars at all because she didn't have time for watching movies. She says, I don't, this, I don't dream this kind of thing. I don't know what's going on. And I said to her, well, what do you want me to do about it? <laughs> and she says, well, you're the guy who's into all this. 
You know, I wanted <laughs> to tell you. And that was it. So there's some, and again, what do you do with these cases? They're, they're right out of, yeah. you know, uh, uh, X-Files and Fringe and all those great shows. And what do you do with these cases? But these are the types of things I do get told from time to time. Although, admittedly, most of the reports I get are lights in the sky that turn out to be stars and planes. Dust orbs. Yeah. I, I have a question. Okay. Um, <laughs> has anyone ever approached you saying that they believe that they're an alien? Because I went to this... <laughs> Her, I guess her title was a womb healer. Um, my mom actually heard of her because I was uh, going through a little bout of depression. And anyway, so I went and she actually told me that she believed that I was an alien. And then that's why I felt so isolated and alone here on Earth. And then she scanned my body for, um, what's it? The implants? Chips. Implant, Chips. Yeah. Yes. And then she told me a story about... A man she knew who she told had an implant and then he went out into a field and it got it removed. Um, but I was just wondering, has anyone said, like, talked to like, you about something like that? They believe they're an alien. They ever claim to be an alien. Yes. Every, anybody claim to be an alien. Um, I think somebody did uh, some time ago. I do get people telling me that about implants. We actually, there was an implant in somebody's arm that we did get taken out and it just was a piece of metal, like a metal shavings or something. Um, hmm. But I mean, this feeling that you don't belong here, I mean, watch the news. Would you want to be here? I mean, <laughs> yeah. really? Um, yeah, truly. No, I was very startled. That's why I, I, and I never heard of something like that before. So that's well, why I just wanted yeah, I mean, to. There's a long you. tradition of this. Um, people um, uh, called contactees um, have been uh, coming forward with uh, stories of uh, either being uh, aboard flying saucers and UFOs or somehow um, being teleported, or in some cases, their bodies are taken over by the aliens uh, since the 1950s. And there's lots of stories like that that have been circulating around. In fact, some of the, the big flying saucer conventions of the 1950s and 60s had lots of people like this. Uh, and now they're, they're actually being called uh, experiencers. And there's many people who are saying that they, they don't belong here, that they're hybrids, uh, or perhaps they've, um, uh, they've, donated sperm and ova to aliens who have created hybrid children that, uh, that are somewhere else. Um, and, and I mean, there was a, a jazz, um, a jazz musician named Sun Ra who um, insisted he was from Saturn and uh, he, he talked about it all the time. And uh, his music is all really spacey. Um, and uh, you know, so it, uh, you know, have, saying that you don't belong here, I think is, normal yeah <laughs> um. <laughs> that's what i figured okay so <laughs> thanks maybe you could walk us through a typical ufo investigation like someone comes to you and they have all this information are you taking notes on the things they say what would be your next steps to kind of ascertain credibility or try to triangulate maybe their story or how far mm. do you take it and just kind of all that stuff sure uh well um pre-COVID, um, yeah, we would uh, go out with uh, over to see people's um, homes uh, and, you know, can you point out where it happened or can you point in the sky where, where you were looking, that type of thing. Um, but uh, for the past six months, of course, it's just been a matter of, you know, email and, and Zooming and Skyping and that type of thing. But the idea is that if somebody reports seeing, let's say, a, a bright star 
uh, moving in the sky and then it makes a right angle turn so it doesn't seem to be a star or a satellite or a plane or anything like that. It's just a matter of, you know, putting on our Sherlock Holmes deerskin cap and saying, okay, you know, could it have been a plane? Could it have been a star or planet? We go through flight records. We go through um, satellite. There's a number of apps that you can um, download and, and uh, look at uh, what's, what satellites are in the sky. Um, uh, and then if it's in a particular area, uh, we've actually gone to talk to neighbors. And uh, in, if we're in the farming country, we go to farms, you know, miles away to see if anybody saw anything from the dire different direction. So it really is a, a, an investigation um, to try and figure out what people had, had seen. And it's not trying to debunk. Some people say that, you know, if you don't believe them and you're trying to prove that what they saw was not a UFO, you're debunking. Um, mm -hmm. That's not true. What you're doing is you're trying to understand what was seen. And in many cases, I mean, there's only about 3% um, of uh, high quality cases that are unexplained every year out of the big batch. It's finding which ones are the good ones uh, that uh, take the time. And it's just a matter of, investigating and trying to uh, to talk to the people. And, and I think it's actually important to not to dismiss, um, not to poo-poo anything, but just <laughs> listen to people. In fact, some people just need to be listened to about what they've experienced because sometimes they'll try and tell their friends and family and nobody wants to believe them. Um, but affirming that, hey, you know, people have had some experiences is very powerful because things actually have been recorded that are unexplainable. And it's, uh, uh, it's a worldwide phenomenon. I mentioned at the top, you know, we have about a thousand every year in Canada alone. Uh, the States is a factor of 10 more. So, uh, you know, 10,000 cases uh, is probably a low estimate for the United States. Uh, and they're, all the countries around the world have similar uh, numbers depending on population. So uh, there actually was a, a number of polls that have been done to um, find out how many people have actually seen UFOs. And it turns out that somewhere in the neighborhood of 10% of the population believe they've seen UFOs. So you're actually in, in good company if you've seen something. <laughs> yeah. uh, now, of course, only about 10% um, of that number actually report them. So, you know, we're, we're lagging behind. And you know, people may not want to feel comfortable reporting because they figure they're going to be laughed at and, they're going to be, you know, you know, in the front cover of uh, the Vancouver province or, uh, <laughs> you know, something like that. And they don't want to do that. So sometimes it's done anonymously and most investigators respect anonymity. Um, but sometimes it's worthwhile, you know, going public to try and get additional uh, uh, cases. So uh, uh, it's uh, walking a fine line sometimes. Yeah, like, do you, the people who do come to you, I guess most of them, their intention would just kind of be to have that audience, as you said, but have you ever had someone come to you before kind of like, not faking it, but kind of exaggerating something so they get their 15 minutes of fame? Yeah, uh, we do get that. Not as often as you'd think. I mean, people do try to, you know, pull our legs and roll over our eyes and just BS and all that sort of stuff. Um, mm. But um what is most common is that I'll get somebody saying, I took a video uh, of a UFO last night. Um, I'll let you see it for $5,000. Oh my God. <laughs> and it's like a Craigslist. <laughs> he does not have the public interest in mind. Yeah. yeah no. And, and in, actually, and most of the videos that I've seen are lights in the sky and, 
they, they don't really have any information. I mean, some, you know, they may, the light may have moved around in a very weird way, but if you're holding the camera and it's going up and down like this and you're just trying to hold your cell phone steady, it's just not going to cut it. So mm -hmm. I guess your, um, your background and having a degree in astronomy is super beneficial for this as well. It is. Um, although uh, we've recently we've been making the case that astronomers um, probably shouldn't have anything to do with UFOs um, because... Um, <laughs> it is, but on the other hand, it is. <laughs> but no. completely not. Well, and, and the reasoning is actually pretty straightforward because um, astronomers... I, I have a very good friend who's an astronomer uh, in Texas, and he's got a ranch, and he does some spectacular... Uh, photographs. Some of his photographs has like appeared on the net and in magazines and stuff of nebulas and galaxies and stuff like that. And um, what he does is he sets up his his telescope with the camera attached to it, and it's all digital. And he attaches the computer to it, and basically the computer points in the direction at whatever object he wants to look at, and then they, it starts taking the image. And sometimes these images, because they're so faint. They take like three or four hours uh, mm -hmm. to image. So he goes into his house and has a drink. He comes out in another three hours and, uh, you know, looks at another one. So he's actually not looking at the sky. He's looking at a really tiny object that, you know, is very in a very small specific area of the sky. So there could have been a flying saucer hovering over his home and he would never have seen it. Mm -hmm. Right. And astronomers spend a lot of time looking at things that are far, far away. But if some of the stories that we hear about people having UFO experiences are about things that chase their cars, um, fly around their, the planes that are flying through the air, uh, sometimes hover and you know, land and take off again, leaving a ring or a mark in the, in the ground. Astronomers have nothing to do with that because they're not mm -hmm. looking here. They're looking up there. Right. <laughs> at the same time, um, the whole UFO thing is about astronomy. I mean, there's, there's a whole branch of astronomy called exobiology talking about, uh, is there life out there? And uh, uh, is it possible that uh, creatures like us, um, uh, instead of the Terry Foxy ladies, the Zeta Reticuli Foxy <laughs> ladies, um, are somewhere out there doing a podcast, <laughs> and uh, there, you know, there, there's life out there like us in some way. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it's possible right now we don't have any way of traveling between the stars very efficiently. Um, you know, we haven't quite made it to Mars yet uh, as humans. Um, but there are uh, a lot of possibilities and there's nothing in our technology that says it's possible to travel between the stars. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, if you bend the laws of physics, no, don't break the laws of physics, but bend them a little. Maybe people uh, or creatures you know, on a planet that's circling a star that's, let's say, uh, 100,000 years um, older than our sun, and there's a lot of stars like that, um, they have a bit of a jump on us. Maybe they figured out during those 100,000 years how to travel between the stars. Um, yeah. Right now, we can't do it, but maybe somebody's figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> so... I guess this is kind of a double-edged question. What is your was your favorite in, investigation that you've done and also weirdest investigation? I, I'm asking both at the same time because I'm sure they might overlap. I don't oh. know. <laughs> hmm. Well, you know, um, 
with the science background, I like the ones that have the most evidence, the stuff that's really tough to prove otherwise. Right. Uh, and I mentioned the guy who was burned by something um, the uh, at the, the uh, RCMP and the RCAF investigated. Um, that's actually a very interesting case. It happened a long time ago, but the difference is we have a lot of evidence. Mm -hmm. And what happened was he was um, uh, a bit of a rock hound. He was interested in rocks and whatnot. So he was chipping away at this rock on the May long weekend in 1967. And this saucer came down and um, landed not too far away from him. He had crouched down. Um, this was in the in the Canadian Shield, uh, just on the close to the border between Manitoba and Ontario, and it looked like a flying saucer. Uh, it was um, metallic, and it had a dome, and the, um, there were lights coming out of the top. And he thought well, he had been in the military himself, and he thought this is really strange. Uh, it's definitely not an aircraft that I'm familiar with, but I'll bet that it's one of those American secret test vehicles. And 1967 was just when Apollo was getting started. So we thought maybe they're, you know, they're testing and they brought off course or something. So anything to rationalize it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And so he looks at this thing and he's watching it for about half an hour and a door opened up in the side and he heard some voices like high pitched voices um, coming out of it. And he thought, Oh, definitely Americans. So he stands up, <laughs> walks up to this thing, and he shouts out, hey, Yankee boys, come on out. I'll give you a hand fixing your broken down spaceship. Well, what confidence. And the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like hiding. Instead of being like, what's up, Yankee boys? Yeah. And the thing is, that. the voices stopped. And he thought, oi, it's not Americans. It's the Russians. <laughs> so, yeah. And this is Cold War. I mean. So he actually, he happened to know some Russian because he was from Europe and he knew a number of languages. So he called out the same thing, Dosvedonia uh, or whatever, and nothing happened. Uh, tried it German and tried Italian, I think. By this time he was standing right next to it and he put his hand on the side of it and poked in uh, this little door. And all of a sudden his hand got hot because the side of this thing was so hot it had actually melted his, his rubberized glove. He came out and he took his glove off and all of a sudden the door shut and this whole thing rotated so there's sort of an exhaust vent right in front of him blast mm. of hot gas hits him in the chest sets his clothes on fire sets fire to some of the leaves and pine needles and whatever and the thing takes off he eventually gets back to civilization um, was taken to the hospital where he was treated for first and second degree burns and the case began in, uh, to be investigated by the RCMP, the Royal Canadian Air Force. They visited him. He was very, very sick. He had burns on his body. Um, and they, the uh, RCMP and the uh, Canadian Forces, they went out to the site and they found radiation. Wow. And uh, they considered actually closing the area to the public because of a danger, uh, dangerous levels of radiation. So they investigated this a lot. And they couldn't break his story. Um, in fact, uh, to the till his deathbed, he said, "This is what happened. You don't believe me? Don't believe me." And this actually happened in Canada. Um, it was actually featured twice on the the show Unsolved Mysteries, the old version. Mm -hmm. um, maybe they'll do it for the new one too. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but but it's uh, you know there have been some strange things. And I, although I didn't, I was not not that old. I didn't investigate in '67. 
But by <laughs> weird coincidence, um, I happened to know this guy's son. Um, and I was actually, you know, you know we, we would, you know, ride our bikes together and stuff like that. And when I became interested in the UFO thing uh, in um, university, uh, I thought, oh, look this guy up. And uh, uh, he talked and he introduced me to his family and I ended up being um, familiar uh, uh, with the case and uh, talking to his family quite a bit. And I reopened the case and we went out there several times. Um, as a matter of fact, just um, in uh, 2017, uh, the Canadian government put out a commemorative coin, sorry, in 2018, commemorative coin, uh, recognizing this, I have it right here, uh, commemorating the case. And this is actual Canadian government issue coin. Wow. Oh, cool. Probably see that. Wow. It's that shaped really like cool. the stereotypical. And it's actually yeah. glowing in the dark. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's interesting that like the government recognized the government that recognized so wholeheartedly. It. Yeah. yeah. So and there's not a lot of cases like that. Now that's probably both the, you know one of the more interesting ones and the um uh you know and the weird ones. I mean I've had I mean I, I talked about the you know the, the nurse who th said that she had been abducted. Mm -hmm. Um I had a number of cases like that. Um there have been um you know, the, the crop circles uh, that had been reported back in the 70s and 80s um, that were quite, quite interesting, and we've had some since then. Um, and there's this sort of overlap sometimes. Uh, there was one time when I went uh, to talk to people about a UFO they had seen um, in Manitoba, and they had said, well, and actually I said to them, you know, that's interesting you had seen this UFO. Is there anything else strange that you've ever had happen in your life or, you know, in the area? And they said, well, there was a Sasquatch that was seen a mile away just yesterday. And um, so I thought that was pretty weird. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I went and talked to the, the people who had seen that. And there was another farm down the road. And uh, there was a guy working in his yard, um, a big field. And he had some sticks with them and things like that. And I said, you know, do you know anything about the UFOs and the Sasquatches? I, I, I'm not into that. No, I'm not into that. I said, well, is there anything weird? He says, well, there's the ghost light that hovers over the cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> so casual. <laughs> so it's all connected. Even if it's not physically connected, um, phenomena like this are part of who we are, you know, since... Um, humans were first started walking to earth. We've been looking into the heavens, wondering if we're alone, trying to make sense of our universe and strange things have been happening. So, uh, you know, the fact that people are experiencing a whole host of things isn't at all unusual and whether they're real or not is sometimes the moot point. I mean, as a, I put on my scientist hat, instead of my UFO hat, this is actually the <laughs> swag from the UFO case. Um, but if I put on my scientist hat, I need the facts. You know, I need mm -hmm. some physical proof. I need some evidence. Um, whereas uh, the more humanistic and sociological side of me says, well, it's something that people are experiencing, and it's it's something that's had a profound effect on them. Um, and so I sometimes say, if there isn't a real physical phenomenon called the UFOs, it's it's at the very least sociological or psychological. 
And in any of those cases, it's worth science to take a closer look and certainly worth the special edition of the Terry Foxy Ladies podcast. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, too, like even thinking about Shag Harbor, the incident there and how so many people witnessed the same thing happen and still just like no evidence at all. They did, couldn't find anything, right? Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, I was at Shag Harbor, um, was it last year, year before? Two years ago, I guess. Um, for the, they have a UFO festival, yeah, and yeah. Um, nobody actually saw whatever it is enter the ocean, um, mm-hmm. but they had seen things f- f- flying in the uh, in the sky, and then they came upon this this light um, with all the yellow glowing foam uh, on the water, and um, you know the I talked to some of the witnesses. There's some of the people who saw the foam on the water. I talked to one of the fishermen whose boat was commandeered by the uh, RCMP. Uh, they went out and they they the boat went right into the foam and they're surrounded by this yellow foam. He took a little um, dip net to try and get some of it, and uh, it, the dip net wouldn't pick any of it up. Um, and the year that I was there, um, uh, Jacques Cousteau's grandchildren um, have their own TV show now about uh, you know strange mysteries of the deep and whatever. Um, and they had done a dive down into the. Uh, uh, to Shag Harbor uh, to see if they could find any evidence of anything. Well, it was 50 years ago, so it's unlikely that they would find anything. But it's one of these, these classic stories. Um, and there's mm-hmm. government documents about this. As a matter of fact, I was looking through some uh, government documents just last week where the, uh, the Canadian government uh, requested that the Navy send in scuba divers. This is back in 67. Um, to go down to the bottom and try and locate whatever it was that had crashed down into the uh, uh, into the ocean. So yeah, there's some fantastic stories uh, that you know we're just scratching the surface of some of these. Mm-hmm. And how has it been for you navigating the whole internet era? Because I know you've been doing this for a while. You've probably obviously seen such a huge shift into something different, like just the quick spread of information. And has that been? A benefit for your work or kind of a detriment? Uh, well, I'd say, uh, well, you mentioned two-edged sword or double-edged sword. Uh, there's some good points and bad points. The good things are that it's easier to communicate with people about what they've experienced. I mean, um, you know, if I get a, a, a UFO report from, oh, I don't know, from the Yukon, I'm, I'm not going to drive out there or fly out there and to investigate. Um, right. As much as the X-Files shows that you can have this great organization to zip around (laughs) unlimited money that actually doesn't happen. But because (laughs) of email and uh, uh, YouTube and things like that, we're able to get video from the site. We can talk to people uh, uh, on video. Um, The email correspondence is is really good. And we get reports um, uh, via tweets, um, uh, Instagram, a lot, all the social media is being used by people to share the information now. Facebook groups and so forth. Um, and the trouble is that increases the noise. There's a lot of mm. crap that people are promulgating right now uh, <laughs> yeah. about, I mean, not just politics, but yeah. it, it, there's, there's that in, in ufology as well. And so mm-hmm. you really have to be careful um, of what you hear. Uh, just some complete nonsense uh, that people are, are spouting and posting about. And Hey, you know, it's, it's, you just have to, uh, you know, use some common sense. There's, and I guess the, the, my warning is that, you know, be careful, but my recommendation is there is good information out there. 
and it's just mm-hmm. a matter of uh, you know sifting through it all. Yeah, which I guess is the the answer to everything nowadays with the internet, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's like you never know. <laughs> yeah. Um, just go- quickly going back to you talking about some of um the more exciting and significant investigations that you've uh experienced in Canada, and you mentioned the Canadian government participating in some of them. Uh, I was just wondering, in your experience, have you always found that the government has been helpful and has been a partner and a collaborator in getting to the the truth, as you would call it? Or have you had any experience of the government uh, or any other body attempting to cover something up, perhaps? Yeah, we often hear about uh, cover-ups and uh, you may have heard about disclosure, you know, when is the big disclosure, when is the government going to admit that they have the saucers and and all this sort of stuff. (laughs) Um, I'd have to say that, uh, I mean, one of the things I'm doing right now is I'm going through all the government documents uh, in Canada that have been made available regarding UFOs. And there's somewhere around 9,000 that were digitized from the National Research Council, because at one time, the National Research Council investigated UFOs thinking that they would find reports of uh, meteors and meteorites because they wanted to find chunks of meteorites on the ground. And they enlisted the aid of the RCMP because they were all across Canada. So if somebody in Saskatchewan um, saw a UFO and reported it to the RCMP, uh, they would send the information down to, um, to Ottawa, to the National Research Council, and they would either investigate or, or file it away or whatever. And so that, that a lot of that documentation is is around, um, and they continued doing that right until 1995. And the reason they stopped doing it in '95 is somebody in Ottawa finally decided, you know, it doesn't look good that we actually have a line item in the Canadian government budget that says UFO investigation. <laughs> and so the National Research Council moved from investigating UFOs. Uh, to the Canadian Space Agency, uh, building Canadarms and so forth. But the the UFO reports haven't stopped. And um, because I'm an astronomer, I was in Ottawa quite a bit uh, at the National Research Council. And um, in the mid-90s, I actually spoke with one of the directors there who was complaining that there were all these UFO reports coming in and they can't be bothered with them. I said, well, you can always give them to me. (laughs) And uh, he said, oh, well, we'll think about that. And then in the year 2000, I got um, a phone call from um, somebody at a, at a Canadian Forces base, I think it was Gagetown, saying, are you the guy we're supposed to send the UFO reports to? And, so and I begins. said, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, I started getting them. So I actually am the real-life Fox Mulder, I, I don't know, uh, <laughs> that I continually to this day get um, official UFO reports um, from uh, Transport Canada, from the, the Canadian Forces, um, mm. and so there's not a lot of cover-up if I'm hearing about it. Unless um, the documents were tampered before they sent them to Yes. Them. Yeah. Either trust the government or trust no one. Trust no one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and of course, now that uh, I'm telling you, you're in trouble we're compromised. Yeah. You're, Come you're at getting us. shut down. I already have a bumper sticker on my car that says the truth is out there, so I've already identified myself. Well, the truth is out there. Unfortunately, we're stuck in here. That's yeah. the other half of it. Stuck in the fishbowl. 
I read an article by you about how, or it wasn't by you, but you were featured in <laughs> talking about how research about UFOs in Canada is really great, actually. We're internationally special. <laughs> Can you speak we're, a little bit to... We're special already. <laughs> <laughs> Can you speak a little bit to that and kind of compare with the U.S.? It feels like there's so much more secrecy over there, whatever you have yeah, to say. Yeah, well... um the United States, there was a TV show uh, that's just uh, was on last year, and I guess they're coming out with a third season called Project Blue Book or Blue Book or whatever. And um, that was actually a real thing that the United States government ran to investigate UFOs, and it ran from 50s into, it finished in 1969 into early 1970. And after that point, there's really no information about what the American government has been doing about UFOs. Now, recently, there have been some uh, exposés in the Washington Post and New York Times about some videos. You've probably seen uh, the classic videos of this little black thing moving around on, yeah. a, on a computer mm-hmm. screen. Um, it's a, and there's been a revelation that the United States government did actually fund some UFO investigations for about five or six years in the 2000s. And there's a suspicion that this has continued. But officially, we don't have any information about the United States since 1970. Whereas in Canada... Uh, the Canadian files go right up until 1995. And then I started in with uh, my stuff in 2000. I've actually filled in the 95 to 2000. Um, and the, the, uh, the cases that I have are sort of the continuation of that. And I'm making that all available uh, once archives opens up after COVID, of course, uh, so that people can start investigating and, and, you know, doing their own statistical stuff. So we, the, the United States seems to have been kind of a black hole with regard to UFOs for the most part. The Canadian government has been a little more transparent um, in terms of the cases. In fact, uh, some of the documents I have are correspondence between various agencies in Canada saying, you know, are you going to investigate this case? I don't want to investigate this case. UFOs are nonsense. <laughs> oh, you don't want to investigate that? Well, don't give it to me. I'll... <laughs> so there, we find out the inner workings of all this. Um, at the same time, um, you know, astronomers and other scientists in other fields, um, you know, they don't consider UFOs very worthwhile. Um, not, you know, that maybe that's all nonsense. People are making it up. Um, they're hallucinating or they have some psychological problem. Um, and yet we have reports from pilots. Uh, we have reports from uh, air traffic controllers. In fact, uh, among the uh, cases in the files I have, I have many reports by pilots, not just um, airline pilots, but Canadian Forces pilots. Air traffic controllers. I was speaking with the air traffic controller who said, you know, there's this this light that appeared uh, in the sky, and you know, it was hovering over the houses and whatnot. There shouldn't have been anything there, and there was nothing on radar. You know, we get those all the time. Oh, really? Um, and and to this day, we I continually get Transport Canada cases, uh, and among the Transport Canada cases every year, there are several uh, bona fide UFO cases, uh, and so, uh, even on radar where. Uh, a radar return will suddenly pop up um, on a, an airliner's devices, and there's nothing there. They'll check, and the uh, the ground radar says, no, there's something there, all right, and it just continues to, to hover there, and it disappears. So we get cases all the time that say there's a real physical phenomenon, and what I would say is, let's say that these radar returns and the things that the pilots are seeing are, I don't know, drones or some um, you know other country that's invading our airspace and we do know there's incursions from russia and other countries 
in the United States, so probably in Canada. Um, to me, that's enough to say, let's take a closer look at UFO reports then, because there's a physical yeah. phenomenon yeah. and there's enough people seeing things that th this has to be looked into. Have there been any changes or any significant advances in the field of UFO study, or is it still kind of like hitting the pavement, notepad in hand kind of thing? <laughs> well, um, I mean, there are some interesting, I mean, changes in the sense that, you know, we have video now. Um, right. We used to get photographs from time to time, and they're all blurry or didn't show anything. Um, now, pretty well, everybody has a, a cell phone with a camera. So we are getting video with, I would say, maybe a quarter to a third of all UFO reports we receive. Uh, the bad news is your cell phone camera isn't designed to take pictures of uh, little lights moving in the sky. So, yeah. um, you know, you get a blank screen. That's, that's most of what we get. Um, so that's changed a little bit. But I think, you know, we're living in the James Cameron, um, Steven Spielberg generation now where... You know, the idea of aliens coming to Earth is pretty well accepted. Um, I don't think people would be all that surprised to find that aliens were really uh, out there somewhere. You know, NASA keeps teasing us with water on Mars and life on Mars and under the polar ice caps of Mars and all this sort of stuff. Uh, I think if NASA announced tomorrow that they actually had found little bugs or something on Mars, nobody would be at all surprised. And maybe would even yawn because we want the big stuff. We want the, the green guys <laughs> and, uh, you know, that sort of stuff. And you turn on TV, um, uh, Netflix and, and uh, you know, a lot of shows are, are out right now all about aliens and, and uh, uh, paranormal phenomena. Yeah, I was just going to ask if you have a personal favorite just on a personal level. For like an alien UFO type TV show or movie. I, you know, I just posted um, on my one of my blogs uh, the top ten underrated um, UFO and paranormal shows. Um, <laughs> Who was number perfect. one? Um, did not give it away. Um, I'm trying to remember which one I had as number one. Um, I mean, it, certainly X Files has to be there, but uh, there's one called The Chronicle from the 1980s. Um, which only lasted one season, but things that are popular right now. I mean, I liked Away about the, the travel to Mars, um, mm -hmm. uh, which is really, really good. Um, Stranger Things, of course, and, and uh, uh, things like that are are a lot of fun. And uh, there was there was a series we were just watching the other day too. Uh, is it Raised by Wolves? I think there's Raised by Wolves. Oh yeah, I saw a trailer for that. It looks yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah, there's some strange stuff out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was really funny how you were saying how none of us would really be that surprised. Uh, on a previous episode we had, I think it was Sonia, when we were like, we were talking about uh, the Pentagon releasing that video and Sonia's like, okay, no one really cared. <laughs> Am I right? There wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. It kind of just came out and, and that was that. It was timed right when COVID became really yeah. big news too. Yeah. So it was kind of like, uh, we have earth problems. Right yeah. now. <laughs> well, there's a, as a matter of fact, um, next, uh, I'm not sure when you're airing, but next week, middle, uh, first week of October, um, there's a new film that's coming out. I think it's going to be on Prime or maybe even Netflix called Phenomenon. And it is um, uh, produced with a lot of people that I, I know uh, very well uh, who've seen UFOs and are investigating and so forth. They, they uh, give an overview of the whole UFO thing. And apparently it's very good. I, I know a couple of people who have seen some previews of it already this week. 
and they say it's probably the best uh, show about UFOs that's been made yet. So um, keep an eye out out for Phenomenon. I also, oh, yeah. I watched an episode of Unsolved Mysteries too. Oh, yeah. They did, yeah, they did have one, like the new season, they did yeah. have one episode on um, an alien encounter where an entire community was kind of affected and several different people had abduction stories, but they didn't know each other at all and kind of all had the same story. And it was story. pretty close to the Great Lakes, right? Like it was in the US, but it was like just south of Canada. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I think there's another UFO episode in the, there's another series, uh, another set of Unsolved Mysteries that's coming up in October. Oh, I was yeah. actually on two episodes of the old series of Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> they need to get you on the new yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, they ought to get me for that. Yeah, I mean, there's some interesting cases. There was a case in the Yukon um, in 1990, I'm thinking, um, where um, uh, people were driving a- along this lake um, uh, Carmax uh, Fox Lake in the in the Yukon, and um, they're driving from south to north. And as they're driving, they see this you know giant UFO um, with lights around it and so forth, moving ponderously and slowly down uh, down the lake towards the north. And uh, an investigator named uh, Martin Jacek, um, who was in the Yukon at that time, now he's in BC. He heard a tip about this. Nobody had actually reported it. But he heard a tip that something was seen, so he drove up to the to the where this is in a very remote area, and talked with people in all these little towns, and none of them had actually talked with each other, and they all described the same thing. Not only that, they described it with the time delay. So the people at the south end reported it earlier, and the wow. people at the north end reported mm. it like 20 minutes later, and so forth. And he wow. found 35 separate witnesses. For this particular thing that happened in Yukon. So there are interesting cases that are very similar to what the Unsolved Mysteries uh, was doing. Yeah. Yeah. I found it so spooky in that episode how they were all saying it was just like this very odd silence and then all the bugs would stop cricket cricket noises and the birds would stop chirping and then they'd come back and the noise would just like rush again and now whenever I'm outside and it's super silent I'm just looking side to side like am I about to be abducted by an alien on, on that uh spooky front um I don't know if you can answer this but do you do you find like a trend for people's stories especially with regards to the abduction ones to be more like benevolent aliens or more oh, malicious? Good question. That is a good question. A, <laughs> what do they that want? Is, that is a very good question. As a matter of fact, there's a, there's Thanks, a, big, there's a big rift in, in ufology. There, there is the, the good guy alien side Drama. and the bad guy alien side. And the good guys uh, are, you know, you, you talk to people who say, you know, the aliens uh, are trying to raise our spiritual awareness, our consciousness. They don't like us having wars and, and and all violence and and nuclear bombs and destroying our planet and climate change and all that sort of stuff they want to help us and then you've got the other side that are saying no these guys they want to they they want to encourage the destruction of our planet because you know they can only breathe a polluted air and they want to populate it with, oh, with them well, and all this sort of stuff. So yeah, so you never know when you know when an alien might pop up. I don't know. Suddenly popped up beside Chris for the listeners. That's why we're all Wait, so what team about. are you on? Are you on benevolent or uh, yeah. Am I on the benevolent? Well um there's no question that if aliens have figured out how to travel between the stars, they're more advanced than us. And one would like to think 
that people that advanced or creatures that advanced would have solved problems of race inequality and, and right. you know, poverty and, and violence and so forth, that they've risen above that. You know, the, yeah. basically what you see on Star Trek, mm-hmm. that, you know, you, the Federation has achieved this utopia. Yeah, they're enlightened. They're enlightened mm-hmm. somehow, yeah. Esoteric um, On the other hand, <laughs> nature doesn't work that way. Um, yeah. And, wow. uh, you know, survival <laughs> of the fittest and so forth. So, um, uh, you know, it's possible that that's it. But I, I, I would lean in the direction that a, that, uh, a civilization that really is advanced um, probably will have, you know, gotten through the hump that we currently seem to have ourselves in. That's yeah, a very kind right. answer. I like that. It's let's, like, let's go with we'll that. Go with that. I'll, I'll it's like you that. know they're listening. I'll drink to that. I, they <laughs> would have enough power to wipe us out anyway, so we might as well just hope for that. Yeah. 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 Probably yeah. can't do much about it either. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any theories about them being here for research? Maybe they're just totally neutral, whether they're good or bad, and they just want to collect our geography <laughs> geography <laughs> that's they're interested in us, they're our like, genes they want our genes what are their what are these humans all about like when we go underwater and we look for you know right specimens and we're simply just amazed by like an octopus or something we're like wow yeah. look at it move and and, and speaking of uh, my octopus teacher on netflix strongly recommended um you want to talk it's about it seriously it's, it's an interesting um documentary uh, it's just on right now, and it's a, uh, a guy who befriends an octopus. And you think about, the, he tries to get in the octopus's mind, and the octopus you know, understands him and communicates back and forth. Bizarre. It's exactly how we would try and communicate with another species of, of mm-hmm. alien, you know? And right. people have said that octopuses are so, octopi, are so unusual <laughs> that they, you know, might be an alien species. But it, it's a very interesting, um, interesting study. Uh, and maybe... You know, we are basically a uh, an anthropology project from a grad student from Zeta Reticuli, or, or, or <laughs> I mean, maybe I mean because you know there have been uh, some interesting uh, uh, studies uh, as uh, explorers opened up uh, parts of the world that were very remote, and they encountered uh, you know societies that were completely unfamiliar to them. So, mm-hmm. you know, there are you know precedents for this type of thing. Right. Yeah. UFO survey? UFO survey. UFO survey. <laughs> UFO survey. <laughs> yeah, so why do you think UFO sightings have gone up since the 1960s in Canada, as reported in the UFO survey? <laughs> Reference. Um, well, um, the, the survey began in 89. So, uh, the, you know, we, do, we did see it go up uh, significantly since 89. Um, certainly part of that was at, towards the end of the 90s, the internet. Uh, that allowed people to uh, report UFOs, and we were able to get more information about UFOs much more efficiently. Um, and the information uh, just, just you know, skyrocketed. So that mm-hmm. certainly helped in terms of uh, the increasing numbers. Um, but of course, it plateaued since then. So it's not a, a, a you know, it went up like this and sort of goes like that. And there's bumps mm-hmm. along the way. Um, it, it could be that. You know, again, I mentioned we're in the James Cameron, Steven Spielberg generation where people may be spending more time looking up. And I mentioned then during the time of COVID, you know, where we have a bump in UFO reports too, because people are spending a little more time outside. Um, you know, some people with their families at the lake or, or wherever, it's interesting to see what happens in the winter. 
but uh, spending time and appreciating nature a, a little bit more. So that might have something to do with it. Um, but I have to say another factor is uh, the uh, the paranoia factor. I mean, the uh, COVID has brought out the worst in a lot of people. There are a lot of not just uh, uh, people looking for conspiracies and the UFO conspiracy that uh, uh, that the government is hiding something that the aliens are really here all along um, is one of those, you know, part and parcel with some of those uh, ardent conspiracy theories. So that might have something with the to do with the interest in UFOs as well. But I, I think the the number of cases is what I'm looking at because the UFO reports themselves are the foundation upon which everything we've just talked about is based. All these books, my, my files, uh, the TV shows, the movies, um, all of that is based on what people are actually reporting. And if they're not reporting it, we don't know about them. Now, I, we do know that only 10% of all the UFO sightings get reported. We'd like to have people feel comfortable enough to report UFO sightings. Uh, to myself and to my colleagues uh, across the country so that we can better understand what's going on. It's all about data. We need data uh, yeah. in order to sift through what's really going on. In fact, one of my books was, uh, was, was subtitled, What's Really Going On? Uh, you know, set aside all the, <laughs> right all the, the stuff point. on TV. And, yeah. <laughs> what the and hell's everything really going on, man? <laughs> that yeah, is there's the all question. the stuff you see on TV and on tabloids and, and so forth. But what's really, what are people really seeing? And there are some, the good news is there are some interesting cases. I don't believe that uh, everybody who reports sightings to me are, are making it up and hallucinating. Uh, I do know there's some, you know, very good people with integrity who are seeing things. And uh, there's some good cases that have enough evidence to, to suggest there's something fascinating going on. Um, we do our survey, we normally put out a survey every uh, March, the reason that it, it takes a few months for all the cases to come in, uh, so we won't have the 2020 survey ready until about March of 2021, but uh, we did a count uh, uh, in July just to see how the first half of 2020 has been going, and the number of cases is up quite significantly. It's not just up here in Canada, it's up literally everywhere around the world. So there is a COVID effect, and what's going on? I don't know. The COVID effect. That'll be something That's for we'll what's all really be going on, part two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there are a lot of interesting numbers in the survey. Um, do you have any theories on why most UFOs are seen around midnight? It kind of seemed to spike around that in the information that I saw. Well, you know, you need a lot of UFOs are lights in the sky, and you need darkness to see those lights in the sky. Mm. So that's why a lot of the UFO reports are uh, in the evening after it's gone dark. Um, we do get sightings during the day, but most of them are in the evenings. An interesting number in the survey is the average number of witnesses per case. And the reason that's significant mm -hmm. is, is it's greater than one. As a matter of fact, um, it's, it's been hovering close to two for a while. And what that means, it's not just Jenna that is looking at something in the sky. She's actually, she's actually elbowing Sonia in the ribs and saying, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Good, so I'm two alone. people together are seeing whatever's in the sky. So that actually supports the fact that there's something really in this guy. It's not just, you know, Jenna making something up and Jenna's I don't know. crazy. Like she's yeah. crazy. <laughs> Jenna is an alien. We've already. <laughs> yeah, Jenna is an alien. 
I also noticed too in the survey that there are some places in Canada, say Quebec, for example, where in the city there are less sightings than in rural areas, but for other provinces and territories, it's kind of the opposite. Do you think there's a reason for why that's flipped province to province, or is that kind of just random? Well, yeah, there is a, a population effect, and it's the old tree falling in the forest. Um, you kind of need people around to see something if something's in the sky, and that's why um, there's more UFO sightings reported in major centers like Toronto and, and Vancouver um, and Montreal than there is mm. in Muskoka. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there are a lot of UFO reports coming out of Muskoka, though, but in terms of the population, not as many. Now, from time to time uh, over the years, there are clusters. Uh, either they're sometimes called flaps or waves uh, of reports in a particular area. And for some reason, Atlantic Canada um, gets, has been getting a little more UFO reports than it should, and we're not sure about that. There have been years when none of it had, had received more reports than it should based on population. Um, mm -hmm. And even Manitoba and Saskatchewan some years have had more than they should. And there's been some case, uh, some years when BC has overpowered Ontario and Quebec in terms of UFO report numbers. Why that's so, um, it, we just don't know enough. And uh, even mm -hmm. though we have 20,000 cases in the database, there's still so much more information we need. And uh, we have to crunch numbers uh, even more. Mm -hmm. Are there any consistencies in reports that you find interesting? I don't know when people describe if people have seen the being like, is there con consistencies in what they think that looks like or the aircrafts or I don't know the way if it's a light and the way they move. Is there any patterns that you're like, oh, my God, uh, lots of people have s said this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, in fact, uh, based on um, what, you know, what people report seeing and their description, we can usually figure out what it is they've seen. Um, we had a lot of reports uh, last year and uh, this year um, of the Spacelink satellite trains that have been going up. Uh, I think another batch is going up this week. Um, that's where Elon Musk is throwing up all these um, satellites the size of refrigerators. Um, uh. And the idea is to provide internet service in remote areas. And so they started with 50 and then they sent up a, another 50 and they're doing it in groups of 50. Um, and what happens is all of a sudden you'll see these 50 lights in the sky following each other <laughs> across the sky. And we got lots of UFO reports. Um, and they've been doing this uh, quite a lot. I think we're up to three or 400 of these things that are in the sky now. And as a matter of fact, it's actually working. The forest fighters that are working hard in the forests of Oregon and California right now in very remote areas um, are actually using satellite phones that are connected to Elon Musk's satellites, these little refrigerator-side satellites um, that uh, uh, are up there right now. Um, and there's supposed to be eventually 10,000 of these things. Um, and it's going to provide um, uh, cell phone and internet service to Canada's north, to the Amazon basin, to Antarctica, like all around the world. Um, so there's, you know, some really interesting things. The trouble is the, when they go up, people do report them. Um, now, what, when um, you asked about other, other trends or other characteristics, <clears throat> well, the flying saucer is dead. 
we just don't get flying saucers mm-hmm. anymore. That, yeah, I was reading about that, <laughs> that apparently that. aliens have changed their design into yeah. a, different, <laughs> a different craft. Yeah, you know. Sense. If they're progressing at yeah, like exponential sense. rates, they went from the saucer to the, I don't know, whatever whatever it is in now very quickly. Well, yeah, decades. it's uh, instead of the Lincoln Continental, it's the Kia Sorento, you know. The, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is it now instead of the saucer? Uh, well, it's gone through a couple of uh, transitions. It went through... Uh, triangle people had seen triangles quite often Um, and now the most popular shape if you can call it a shape is kind of a a fuzzy blob Um, (laughs) uh, and i don't know what what that's all about but it's a it's not quite a uh, a disc it's not quite a ball it's a sort of a something with a shimmering effect that's that's a star-like object and yet it's uh it's not twinkling so interesting people are, are seeing some interesting things these days in terms of um, the, like, if someone was to see, uh, like, an alien itself, like, if Sonya, Sonya's shirt has, like, the classic alien design, mm-hmm. was that born out of, when people started reporting that type of thing, was that born out of, like, a pop culture thing? Does that make any sense? Or it was that naturally, like, what always people always reported? The, the design on your shirt comes from a fellow named Whitley Stryber, who published a book called Communion, and... Um, he actually is a horror writer, and a lot of his books have been turned into movies. Wolfen, um, Cat Magic, I think was Cat Magic turn. Anyways, um, and he admitted that part of his inspiration for his horror novels was the fact that he thought that he was seeing these creatures in his house, that they would come into his home and watch him and uh, chase him around and all this sort of stuff. And they looked, they had these heads that were almond shaped with the black almond eyes and uh, that the cover of his book communion actually featured that on the cover and as soon as um, the cover hit the the book stands people all around the world were saying that's what I saw and so that Mm -hmm. became sort of the meme for for what people have seen when they say they've seen aliens but of course people have seen all sorts of things I mentioned the nurse who saw the round-headed ones yeah Um, you know there's lots of different types of creatures um, that people have said they've seen, but that seems to be the one that is stuck for whatever reason. You must have a lot of alien paraphernalia. You'd be an easy person to buy a gift for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I have. I have Marvin the Martian ties and socks and, and everything. I've got. I've got a. I've got a Marvin the Martian water bottle. I've got. You name Just it. I, at a, um, at a, um, a Comic Con, I bought a life-size ET. It's in the living room. <laughs> I have a life-size Jeff Probst in my living room, so oh, well, it's kind of see? the same thing. I think he might be an alien. Can you imagine if someone tried to rob your house, they walk in, just see an E.T., and they're like, ah, no, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> or an alien walks in, they're like, that's not what I look like. <laughs> or or um, they think they were right at home, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you make of Area 51, like the myths behind Area 51? Mm. What do you think of Bob Lazar's story? Um, I don't buy Bob Lazar's story. Um, I think um, Area 51, I mean, there's no question that stuff, secret stuff is happening at Area 51 and probably a few other places that uh, they're testing secret aircraft and uh, they tested the space shuttle there and so forth. Uh, But I don't buy the stories about, you know, that they have pieces of crash saucer and and all that sort of stuff. and there's stories about how there's an underground base in Nevada as well that's connected to it, uh, where they have aliens living down there and, and helping us create things like, you know, Velcro or 
folks right in or something. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stories about it. Um, and the reason I don't buy uh, Bob Lazar is, I mean, he his background doesn't check out. He couldn't remember the names of his professors in university. Um, you know, he he said he was working at a particular building, and he's not listed in that building. And of course, sure, the the believers say, oh yeah. Well, they're covering it all up because he's a whistleblower. They erased him. They scrubbed him out. But, I mean, his story just doesn't hang together. In fact, if you know the story, and it's in the, his, the movie that was just out, he has this element 115, and he says he smuggled it out in a briefcase and kept it in his room for some time, and that's the element that the aliens used to fly through the cosmos. Well, they actually created element 115 a number of years after the story came out, and I think there's you know, something like a dozen atoms of it that have been produced so far in a laboratory, they, it only lasted a short time because they have very short half-lives. So it, the possibility of smuggling a chunk of it out in a briefcase really stretches the imagination. I'm just sorry. Yeah. I just don't buy it. I just it was don't a little far-fetched. In oh, okay. this secretive government agency, they're not checking bags. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they used to check our backpacks when we worked at Zeller's when we left for the night. Like, I'm sure they're doing it there. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like you have a pretty good for lack of a better term bullshit detector with stories like when someone starts telling you one you kind of know the people that are i'd like to think i do <laughs> i mean i've read all of these <laughs> you know? yeah. um, um there's there's not many stories that i don't know I, i've talked with so many people now i mean for the most part when people tell me they've had a ufo experience I, I don't sit back and say, you know, you, you know, bullshit. I, I say, okay, tell me about it. Tell me what you saw. Let's talk about it. Is there an explanation? If there isn't, I'll say there's no explanation. Um, but, you know, I do get people coming to me, you know, I, I have an uncle who, you know, said that he worked inside Area 51 and he saw the aliens in the ships. And I said, really? Well, have him talk to me. Oh, he never talks about it. <laughs> Gee, that's convenient. Um, yeah. But there are, you know, I've had um, the, this case uh, of the fellow who was burned um, by the ship in, in, um, in Manitoba. Uh, I've had people who, you know, are, are really, you know, honest people who said that their father or, or uncle or somebody um, worked in the, uh, in the hospital where he was uh, under examination and he was in his hospital bed and... Uh, he showed him his burns and uh, uh, talked with him about what, what he had seen. And yeah, his, his, you know, this guy's uncle said, oh yeah, absolutely, the, the story was true. The only trouble is that we know the complete background of this fellow who was burned, and he was never in a hospital bed being examined like that. So what do you mm -hmm. do when you get people who are, you know, mm -hmm. seemingly telling the truth and aren't out to pull the wool over your eyes, and yet they're telling you something fantastic. And that's a lot of what's going on in ufology right now. You know, deathbed confessions of somebody who said, yeah, I saw the aliens. Uh, uh, we have a piece of, an, a, piece of a, a ship. What do you do with things like that? I mean, and there's some very good people with pretty impressive credentials. Um, a fellow named Robert Bigelow, who was on 60 Minutes. Uh, he's a billionaire. He actually has satellites in orbit that his company built. He's one of the people who are building ships... Uh, that are getting into the International Space Station or trying to get to the space station. He's in the race for SpaceX. Um, and he says, he has no doubt that the aliens are here. 
Um, he, he has <laughs> built a, a warehouse to store pieces of alien craft that have been retrieved from crash sites. Uh, and he's talked with um, astronauts who told him that they, you know, they actually saw aliens in space. I mean, there are stories like that and people like that um, going public all the time. What do you do with that information? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I say, you know, it, it's interesting stories, but I'm the sort of the doubting Thomas, I suppose. You know, I, I need to see the chunk of something myself. I, I need to have more information, more proof. And for me, that's what I need. Maybe others who are watching this podcast don't need that. Maybe they've seen something themselves, and I'm not doubting that. But for me, I need a little bit more to go on, to, because if aliens really are here, it's a whole new ballgame. Uh, you know, and, and maybe they're here, but they're just tuned into CNN too much and they're just shaking their heads. <laughs> so is that safe to say that you haven't had a personal first-hand experience? I have not had a personal first-hand experience that I couldn't explain. I actually was going through the uh, National Archives of Canada in their UFO files and I found a UFO report by me. Um, it happened in... Um, what? Explain that. It happened, it happened in the 70s. That is a twist, man. And, and uh, you know, I was reading it along and I thought, hey, how you, this guy sounds familiar. And, um, and what happened was I was coming from investigating some UFO reports um, in, in Manitoba. I was coming towards the city and I saw this light and I thought, is that a plane? I, and it didn't look like a plane. It just was a light that was moving in the sky and it just was chugging along and I couldn't see any of the green or red flashing light. Uh, I didn't know what it was. And, you know, it, it, it disappeared after a minute or so. And I thought, well, you know, what if I should report that uh, and, and see what happens? So I reported it to the government and I completely forgot about it <laughs> until a few years ago when I was looking through the files and I found my report. Now, the, the, Speaking of weird reports, oh, you wanted to know about a, a, another one. So I was going through the files recently, and a report came across my desk from, I think it was 2004. And uh, I looked at it, and it was uh, from some pilots and, uh, who had seen a UFO over Alberta. And I thought, oh, yeah, interesting. I put it aside because, uh, I, you know, I, was, I get lots of reports a day. With 1,000 cases in Canada every year, you get three, three a day or so. Mm-hmm. But something about this report made me take another look. And I pulled it back and I was reading it. And it was a UFO report from a number of pilots reporting seeing this UFO, this ball of light uh, passing by the plane. And it had the, you know, it was a, some sort of airline, uh, whether it was Air Canada or, or whatever. And then it said, uh, UFO was also seen by pilot of um, Prime Minister's plane uh, on the way from conference, and uh, was reported by the pilot uh, of the prime minister's aircraft. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking, okay, so the Canadian prime minister is in a plane. The pilot sees a UFO, <laughs> and probably went on the intercom and said, uh, "Sir, you want to look out the left side of the plane?" <laughs> so, did the Canadian prime minister see? A UFO. And think about it. If an American president is flying an Air Force One and a UFO is seen by the pilot, that would be huge news. Uh, sorry, I'm not doing it right. 
huge um, news. Tremendous. It would be tremendous news. Yeah. It would be like set off the nuke. Tremendous. <laughs> um, but yeah, that would be huge news. And um, But the Canadian Prime Minister probably saw UFO and nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> what year was that? Did I think it was 2004. It? Who was? Probably, was that was that Chrétien? Yeah. I think Chrétien, uh, I'm not sure. Chrétien? Yeah, I think so. We'll have to ask Here's, him. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, actually, I actually inquired at the pres- with the uh, Prime Minister's office and they had no comment. Oh, that says it all. Yeah. Yeah. Cover up, cover up. <laughs> There's the cover up. I knew it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like talking about it. Oh, okay. Well, I think we've covered all of our subjects and we've obviously said a lot of weird stuff too. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. It was really fun. Yeah, yeah thanks you guys, so you guys much for coming on. Yeah, you guys are great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that was awesome. Stay safe and win a Okay, you guys are <laughs>